Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. The title of my message today is Holy Spit. Uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus uses unconventional ways to display his unconditional love. And uh, it's, it's based on a really simple story in the book of Mark, in Mark 8, 22 to 25. I, the older I get, the more I'm drawn to the Gospels and to the encounters that people have with Jesus. They're very simple. They're like narratives. They're stories, but there's powerful things in there for us. And in Mark 8, 22 to 25, we have this story of, of Jesus and a, and a blind man. It said... They, the apostles, uh, and Jesus came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And so that's the, that's the basic story that we're going to tear apart today. And the, the first thing I want us to note is where it happened. Bethsaida means mercy. It literally means that it's a, it's a place of mercy. And that's where we all meet Jesus, isn't it? We don't deserve it. We, we meet God and we experience God because he is a God of mercy. He meets us at the place of, of mercy. And uh, the man, the, uh, much like you know, when I went to church uh, a long time ago uh, at King's, the man didn't necessarily uh, kind of want to be there. Or uh, it, It's like the, the people brought the man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. So it was their faith, it was their faith that was in operation, not necessarily his. Sometimes, sometimes the circumstances of our life are so overwhelming. Have you ever been at that place where you just get like, you get so discouraged about something, and it's been going on for so long that you're like, I just can't even believe for this anymore. Like, I, I just don't, I don't have that faith in me. And, and somebody else has to come along who is in a period of stronger faith and they, and they come alongside of us and they kind of lift us up and, and they, they bring our needs to Jesus in faith. Sometimes we're, we're like the man in the story. Sometimes we're, we're like the people who brought the man. Sometimes we, we have to bring others when their faith is weak and ours, ours is strong. And, but I've seen it like over and over and over again. Like Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not just, it's, it's me and Jesus, but it's not just me and Jesus. It's the community, it's the church. Uh, and, you know, the church, the church is getting a lot of bad press these days. Like, even from within the church, you know, people will quote statistics, you know, in 2050, the church will be, you know, yada, yada, yada. And uh, the good news is that God doesn't know that, okay? The good news is that, uh, you know, as we, as we experienced this morning, uh, God is alive and well, and that means the church is alive and well, and, uh, and we, can, we, can bring pe- we can be the people that are brought 
to Jesus and we can bring people to Jesus. Bethsaida also means, it also means uh, desert place. And one of the things that I've noticed as I've had the chance to like travel and do ministry in all different kinds of places, one of the things I've noticed is it seems like God almost delights, Jesus almost delights in, in, doing, in doing things in out-of-the-way places. Often, often where I see God the most, where I experience God the most, it's not the places where I think I'm going to or I'm supposed to. Often it can be in places that are kind of out of the way, like Bethsaida was. And, uh, and uh, I was, uh, just recently this year, I was, uh, I was in Honduras. Honduras is a, it's a, it's a country that's kind of overrun with gangs. There's high unemployment Gangs control everywhere. You see kids on the, teenagers on the street, just uh, with glue, like sniffing glue all day long, blowing out their brains just to kind of ease the hardness of life. It's a, it's a, it's a dark kind of place. But uh, one of the things that I noticed when I was there was, was uh, like, man, God is at work here. Jesus is at work here. I was on a dump, uh, the town dump in Tegucigalpa, capital city, big mountain of garbage like outside of the city. And, uh, and we were there, we, we rolled up in, in some pickup trucks, we're doing like a church service just off the back of a pickup truck, and then feeding people, praying for them, seeing what their needs are. And these are like the poorest of the poor. These are the people that scrounge on the dump, they make less than $2 a day by scrounging metal and other things out of the garbage, there's buzzards flying everywhere, there's there's really raggedy dogs like digging, digging through things. The dust is whipping through. It's the last place in the world that you would uh, expect to, to see God at work. Uh, but, but as we were there and there was, there was this one guy and sometimes the Holy Spirit will highlight somebody to you. It's almost like God takes a, like a highlighting marker and goes like, this person. And uh, this guy, I found out his name was Valerio. I found out after I was talking to him, but... But he was like hanging around. He, he like some of the people just take the food and they go. He was very comfortable with what we were saying, and he was very comfortable with the gospel. And uh, he, he, uh, I, I, he was highlighted to me. But I speak very bad Spanish, and I, I figured he probably didn't speak English. So I had to kind of wait. I was at, ever have one of those Holy Spirit wrestling matches? God says, "Go do this," and you're like, you make up all the reasons why you shouldn't. I was, I was in, the, in the middle of that, and like, I didn't have an interpreter. Then an interpreter got free, so I was like, okay, God, you win. Kind of went over. I started talking to him through the interpreter. The interpreter, Hoel, is a, a pastor as well. He tells me this story. Valerio says, I, I've been experiencing chest pains for four days. I don't, there's no doctor here, but if there, even if there was, I don't have money to pay a doctor. I've been experiencing chest pains and shortness of breath for four days, and I'm very, very afraid. And, uh, and I was like, well, maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus wants to touch you. Can we pray for you, uh, Valerio? And he's like, yes, I believe. I believe in a God that, that can do those kind of things. And so, so, so I, I prayed, and, and Hoel interpreted. And then I was like, how, like, do you feel any different? What's going on? And, and he said, when you started praying, and I prayed like a very simple prayer. I do not have the gift of healing or anything like that. It's just a very simple prayer. He said, when you prayed, heat started at the top of my head and it went down through my whole body. 
and, and my chest, for the first time in four days, there's no pain in my chest, and I'm breathing clearly. And I was like, uh, I, was like I, think, I think Jesus touched you. I think Jesus has touched you. And to be really honest, because there's a lot of times when pastors act way more spiritual than they actually feel inside. To be really honest, I was shocked when Jesus did that. I was like, I was like, go God. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting that, you know. Uh, you know, and so I was, I was like, hey, this is much of a blessing to me as it is to you. Like that, that I can see God work in this way. And, uh, and so this, this man in the story, he's, he's in an obscure village, but then Jesus Jesus takes the man by the hand and even leads him like outside the village. He leads him to an even more obscure place to, uh, to deal with him and to, and to talk with him. And, uh, and I, I find that uh, like miracles and, and healings and those kind of like God, God is, God, Jesus, Jesus isn't into a show. Satan is sometimes, but Jesus, Jesus never does things just to kind of go like, you know, in a magician's kind of way, like, you know, like his, his miracles are always about people. They're always to meet practical needs. They're always, they're always real. And, and so uh, Jesus spits in the man's eye and then puts his hands on the man's eye. Now, can I just say, that's weird, okay? That's a bit, this is a very, like, sometimes in the Bible, we read things and we go, we go, we just get used to reading them. That's really weird. If Pastor Brent spit in your eye when you came in the church, be like, what is he doing? That's really weird. Like, what? We don't, I don't know, like, I've been to 40 different countries. I haven't been to a country yet where the culture is you greet people by spitting in their eye. That's a fairly bizarre thing to do, but for some reason that none of us really know, we don't know why, but for some reason that's what Jesus told, uh, chose to do at that particular moment. And, uh, and I'm, I was just, I was reminded constantly in Honduras and the other places I've been, God does not play by my rules. Sometimes I like things like, oh, like I like to give God my list of, this is how I would like it to happen, Jesus. Uh, you know, slow, understandable, dignified, like all of those kinds of things. And God never works with my plan. He really doesn't. He has a plan. He has a plan of his own. And so he spits in this, in this guy's eyes, which is, which is it's, not just, it's not just surprising. It's, it's, almost, it's like an offensive kind of thing. And so the, so the guy has to cooperate with Jesus. And we, and, and we sang about King Jesus, like Jesus is king. We have to cooperate. We have to take ourselves off the throne. We have to cooperate with Jesus if we, if we really want to see him move. When I was in Honduras, we, we just, we began to, like, honestly, I was there eight days. And we saw miracles every single day. It just became normal to see people healed every day. And that is not normal for my life. That's not something that I have seen before. Uh, and there was all kinds of spiritual warfare surrounding the trip getting there and stuff. So I, 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 took, uh, I took the pastor, Hoel, I took him aside. And I was like, Hoel, like why is it that we're seeing so many miracles here and I don't see that same kind of thing in Canada? Why, why is that? And he said, do you want me to be polite or do you want me to be honest? 
And I was like, because often our brothers and sisters around the world are very, you know, politeness is a high value. And so unless we ask them what's really going on, they'll, they'll be polite with us. And I was like, no, tell me, give me the real deal. And uh, he was like, he was like, you have so many resources. There's so many places that you can turn when you're in trouble that God is your last resort. Here, we don't have those resources. God is our only resort. And so we turn to him and we have to expect him to act because he is he's the only option that we have. And uh, I, I know this guy, and, I, and I, I've kind of watched his life. He, he's really, you know, we joke about these kind of things sometimes, but he really does get up at four in the morning every morning and pray. He spends a couple hours in prayer. And uh, he, when COVID was going on, he, he, he has a very small, humble little church that he pastors at, uh, and he doesn't make any money from it. He's bivocational. And uh, he... He, he said, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in the midst of this crisis? And he said, God said to him, if, if you will trust me for signs and wonders, I will bring people to your church. But you, you've got to really mean it and you've got to trust me. And he said, okay. He made a deal with God. He said, okay. And that's, that's what they've been seeing happen. And, uh, and I, I came back from there going, you know what? I need to get desperate enough to get over myself. Like, I need to get desperate enough to, to not worry about my dignity, not worry about what other people think. Like, I, I just, like, God, I want to see what I saw happen there. I want to see that happen in Canada, because Lord knows we need it. Lord knows we need it. And so, my wife Colleen and I, we've been, we've been experimenting with that. Like, just, we're like, uh, we're at that age where, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't really care. You know, you just kind of do things. Uh, we're at that age again. We're like really old teenagers, right? <laughs> we, got, we got more money this time. Uh, we, got, we got lots of time to give. Uh, and we don't have to worry about what people think. Uh, and, and so, like, we've been, we've been like, let's just go for it. Like, let's just, let's just, like, pray for people and see what happens. And, you know, and sometimes we might see God work the way we think and, Sometimes we might not, but, but let's, let's, let's get over ourselves. And, uh, and when we do that, man, uh, uh, amazing things can happen. I, I love in the story when Jesus, Jesus spits on the guy's eyes, puts his hand on him, and then Jesus asks him a question. Do you see anything? One of the things I love about the Bible is how authentic it is to, to real human life. Like this is something... Uh, like the guy's response is something I was like, I can see people saying that. This is a description of what would happen if you were partially healed, but not totally healed. Like if we were writing the Bible, we would leave out all the awkward parts, right? We like we do an infomercial for Jesus, and we'd leave like this is all the stuff we like, and then we leave out all the other stuff that we don't under, understand or it's kind of awkward. Jesus says, Jesus says, like, do you see anything? And he says. He says, I see tree, I see men walking around like trees. You know, like kind of, it's kind of an invasion of, invasion of the trees, right? Like, I see men walking around like, and I was like, that's a pretty accurate description of, of like what you would see. It would be kind of like, they're blurry figures and they kind of look like, they kind of look like trees more than people. But I do, I do see something. 
And, uh, and so I love, I love how authentic the Bible is with that stuff. So the man is, he seems to be partially healed at that point. Jesus has to, has to reach out and put his, his hands on him again. It's, it's okay if healing is a gradual process. Whether we're talking about addictions, emotions, physically, it's okay if healing is a gradual process. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it happens in a moment, sometimes it, it takes longer, but we've got to be committed to, uh, to seeing the process through and, and, uh, and, and, and praying. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why the number three, I know it's a biblical number, but what I find sometimes when I pray for people, it's, it's the, the first time that nothing seems to happen, second time, Maybe something happens, but it's not, not really. It seems to be the third time, and I have no idea why. But there seems to be something about that third time that we pray, that uh, I've, I've seen God answer prayer in those times. And, and I, think, I think God might be just, like I think my, God might allow us to go through those kind of moments to, to build our faith and to, and to develop perseverance in us. Because God ultimately cares more about our character and our perseverance as believers than, uh, than anything else. Probably if you've uh, watched the news at all in the last, last couple of days, you've seen the power of the wind. You've seen what, what wind can do. We've all seen like huge waves uh, washing in, the wind blowing the waves. We've seen trees and power lines down, the incredible power of the wind. There was a, a group of scientists that, uh, because, because we, as people, we like, to, we like to experiment with playing God, don't we? But there was a group of scientists that, uh, I think it was out in Arizona, they, had, they came up with something called the biodome. And uh, the, the, in the biosphere, what they wanted to do, they were like, let's figure out a way to grow trees as quickly as possible uh, to, to full maturity, but as quickly as possible. So we will create a perfect environment where trees grow to their maximum growth. And, and so they, they put all the things in the biodome. It was a, a controlled, controlled atmosphere. They put all the things that they thought would work, and then this weird thing happened. The trees would grow and look really good, and they'd grow almost to full maturity, but right before full maturity, they would fall over. And nobody could figure out why the trees were falling over. And uh, finally, one of the scientists was like, there's no wind. There's no wind in the biodome. And apparently, when wind blows against the trees, it develops something called stress bark. Stress bark is, is, is it, it only develops with resistance and it makes the tree stronger, makes it able to stand up to the wind and the storms and everything that's going to come against it. And so the trees were in such a perfect environment that they weren't developing stress bark uh, and they were falling over. And uh, maybe God allows us to go through some tough things to develop that stress bark in us, to develop that stress bark in our faith so that we're willing to hang in there. One of the things that that I noticed in places like Guatemala, which, which I've done a lot of work in, in Guatemala, Honduras, Peru. Uh, I, was in, I was in the Amazon. I was on the Amazon River uh, this summer, kind of doing ministry there. And one of the things that, I, that we can learn from their churches, one of the things I've noticed 
is, is a, like, well, first of all, they're always late. They're in no hurry to get to church. But once they're there, they're in no hurry to leave either, right? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, we're staying here until Jesus does something. We're here to experience God. So church ain't over until we've experienced God. You know, they're not like, they're not like, we got, you know, get half an hour, bud. You know, places to go, people to say, I got to get lunch. They're like, they're, they're kind of in it, man. They're in it to win it. And, uh, and so they'll, they'll hang, they'll hang in there. And, and it is often, it is often after we would have left that, uh, that you see, that you see these like incredible, incredible things happen. You see healings and you see, uh, people, uh, just, you know, really get free, get free of some things. Um, and, and so, so Jesus prays again, and then it says, once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eye, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The goal of all healings and miracles is to restore something that has been lost, to have a real practical purpose, to restore something that has been lost. Uh, I, I, watch all those, I watch all those man shows that ladies hate, the ones on TV that ladies hate, and there's, you know, and let's face it, there's some fairly, like, strange ones out there, but I was, I was, watching, uh, I was watching one of those shows, it's, uh, it's called Airplane Repo, right? And so it's like about people who repossess airplanes, which is a little more complicated than uh, repossessing a car. You know, you got to get in the plane, start it up, you know, kind of take off before all the angry people kind of running after you, holding the plane down. So, it's, so I was watching that, and for some reason I was doing my devotions at the same time. I don't know why. I don't remember why. But I'm very right-brained. Like, I'm, I'm like I, watch, I watch all the man shows, but I also write poetry, right? And so I've got the masculine-feminine thing going on at the same time. So, so I, was, I was watching Airplane Repo, doing my devotions, and I got inspired to write a poem about Jesus called Repo Man, okay? From prison church to drug rehab, redemption is no smash and grab. An inside job, a well-planned heist, the mastermind, the one called Christ, reaches deep in darkened cells and shines a light on private hells. He's taking back what Satan stole and filling in the God-shaped hole with, nail, with kingdom's keys and nail-pierced hands, Jesus is God's repo man. And uh, that, that, is, that is exactly what God is up to, isn't it, in, in our lives. He's, he's, uh, he's taking back all that stuff that Satan wants to, to steal, steal from us. And, uh, and his miracles are always, they're always about a practical concern for the person. And uh, these things can happen, not just in the Bible, not just in Honduras. They can happen like all around us, right here in good old New Brunswick. What would Canada think if, if a revival actually started in the Maritimes? They would be like, could anything good come out of New Brunswick? Would be like, what would what would what would people think? Uh, my my wife Colleen, who's sitting down here in the third row, and who I love very much, she was uh, she was out uh, 
She, she's way more of an evangelist than I'll ever be. Let me put it that way. She's, if you see her coming, run. Like if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, run because she's, she's coming for you. Um, but she was, she was like uh, taking some, fl- some flyers about an event like out to some businesses in Sussex uh, last week. And, uh, and there was, a, there was a, a new restaurant that opened up and, and the people... Uh, they're not they're not quite there yet, like as far as being Christians. But they but you know they're coming to church and stuff, and they're, and they're really cool. And so, she was just dropping off something there and said like, "How's business? How you doing?" And uh, the guy's working twelve hour days, and he's he was like, "Oh man, I hurt my back. It's really like, I don't even know if I can stay in work because like I'm in so much pain." And she's well, like, "Well, let's just pray and see if Jesus does something about that." So she prays for him, and it's the same as the guy at the dump. Like he goes. He, and he has no, like, experience of this stuff at all, right? He goes, like, that was the weirdest feeling. I got all tingly, and my back pain's gone, right? And then he goes, and then he says, can you pray we'll win the lottery? Because we really need money right now. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, no, we, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that prayer. Well, we'll pray that you have more customers. How about, how about that? But the, the bigger you know, they're, they're kind of inching their way towards Jesus, I'm, I'm sure. And uh, the bigger purpose of the miraculous is that, is that, like, we're not only restored, but we see everything clearly. Like, when Jesus touches us, it brings clarity, and we see things the way that they, that they really are. And uh, we live kind of in a crazy, distorted world. We live in a world where uh, people, you know, it's such a... It's such an atmosphere of doubt that we're living in in the U.S. and Canada and Europe. There's like an like there's just skepticism everywhere. There's an atmosphere of of doubt. Yet at the same time, as we 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 believe these crazy things. Like so so you say you say to somebody you know you talk to them about Jesus and they're like yeah I can't I don't believe Jesus was God I don't believe in the virgin birth like that could never happen that's totally impossible that's just a fable you know. But I do believe that men can get physically pregnant and bear children because I saw the emoji, like, on my phone, right? And, and I'm going, like, inside, I'm like, which one of those things is harder to believe? Like, I think it's easier to believe that a God who created the universe could, uh, you know, could, have a, could create a virgin birth. I think that's, like, easier than, than the other thing. And, and if, there was, if there was ever a time there was ever a time when, the, when we, as a church, we needed clarity. It's like right now. It's like right now. We need, we need to clearly see who King Jesus is and what King Jesus wants to do in our lives. Uh, we just need to s- clearly see that for ourselves and clearly communicate that to a very, very confused world. I want, to, uh, I want to close with, with kind of uh, one last story. I think, um, I think if I just had to summarize, if I had to summarize my message, I would say like, you know what we need? We need less sit and more spit, okay? We need, we need less just kind of like sitting and listening and like, like more like where we, we experience those moments, those moment, those messy moments with God, where Jesus shows up and does stuff that maybe we're even like a little uncomfortable with, but but we trust, we trust that it's Jesus. So the last time I was the last time I was preaching here, I, I started a story that I want to kind of continue. Uh, I was a guy that I met uh, like before COVID. I, I met him in prison, 
can't say which prison or what his name is to keep all that secret. So we'll just call him Joe. We were, uh, we were like in prison just with the guitars out, like doing a, uh, just getting ready for a chapel service, doing a sound check. Uh, this guy, Joe, he's never been to church before. He hears the music and he comes in. So he's standing in the doorway. Uh, he's got like one crazy eye that wanders all over the place. And he's shaved totally bald. And he's got tattoos everywhere. He looks like a biker because that's actually what he used to be before he got in prison. So he hears us and, and he comes in. Uh, and uh, one of my students is kind of sitting down and looks over at the door and goes like, please, God, no. Don't let that guy sit next to me. I'll go to Africa. I'll do anything, please. Not the other. And so, of course, God steers Joe right over beside that person. And it turns out that Joe's a really nice guy. He only comes to chapel on the Tuesday nights that Kingswood is there. He hasn't bought into everything else yet. He's just like, I like you guys. I'll come when you're there. But I'm not sure about these other people. So, like, we're, we're working with him. You know, we, we see him uh, several times. And then, and then we get there, and he, and he comes up to me. He goes, like, hey, I just became a Christian yesterday. I'm like, awesome, Joe. And he's like, can I, can I share with the other prisoners what happened to me? And I'm like, that'd be awesome. Before we start to play, just get up and grab the mic. He dropped the F-bomb ten times in five minutes. <laughs> he was like, God is bleeping awesome, right? And all my students are looking at me, and I'm like, roll, roll with it, right? And, but then we, like, every time we go, we, we, have this converse, we have these conversations with Joe, and, and Joe's like, he's reinterpreting all his tattoos. He has ACMD on his knuckles, which used to mean all cops must die. Now, now he says it means all Christians must disciple. And we're like, yay, Joe, right? He's got, he's got... He's got FTW tattooed on his chin, which used to mean like the world. Now it means now he says it means faith the word, right? And I'm like, whatever you say, Joe, whatever you say. He he's he's got these these Hillroy notebooks. He's sitting in his, he he tells me, he's like, prison is like my Bible college. The government's paying me to study the Bible. He's he like he's in his cell and he's like writing out his own commentary. And, Hillroy notebooks. And uh, he had some, some guys from his, from his gang were transferred into the prison from like another prison. They confront him in the prison yard. It's like a movie. They confront him in the prison yard. They're like, Joe, we know this Christian thing is totally fake. You're just doing it to get parole. We know that you like, you always have a knife on you. We know you have a shank in your boot right now. Joe had just gotten in the habit. He didn't carry shank anymore. He had a little New Testament that he carried in his boot. And like, so they're like, we know you got a shank in your boot. He pulls out the New Testament. He says, this is the only shank I carry now. And you can't do anything to me unless Jesus allows it, right? And uh, <laughs> they, they get so weirded out. They're just like, never mind. Like, uh, we were gonna beat you up, but never mind. Like, we're just, we're done. And so... Joe, when, when, when COVID hit, I'm like, what's going to happen to these guys that we've been ministering to in there? What's going to happen to Joe, Joe and the other guys? And uh, I get this, you know, we're, we, we're not allowed in. I've been in there two years. And, uh, but about halfway through COVID, I get this letter that's delivered. Uh, it's delivered to a chaplain. And it's a letter from Joe. And, and Joe's like, 
hey man, like, I just want you to know, we're like, we're doing okay. Like, God's got this. And he's like, he's like, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm the, I'm like a weird tatted up pastor in here now. Like, God knew that you guys couldn't come in, so he, he rose, he kind of raised up Joe as like a pastor on the inside, right? And uh, Joe went from being like the guy that everybody was afraid to. In fact, like, Joe started Bible studies just by going, we're having a Bible study Wednesday 1, you're coming. Okay, Joe. Like, they were, <laughs> they were so afraid that these Bible studies broke all over. So Joe's continuing these Bible studies, and he's gone from being like a, he's gone from being a perpetrator to being a protector. All the, 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 like the young guys who are in prison for the first time and are really scared, like, what do I do here? Joe takes them aside and goes, like, anybody gives you trouble, you just tell them to come to me. Like, if, if they got trouble with you, they're going to have trouble with me. And, uh, and people, people kind of leave them alone. So, so Joe, is, Joe is like this pastor on the inside. And then, um, then I get a, like, the, the school goes, like, hey, do you know any prisoners? And I'm like, yeah. Kingswood goes, well, we get this. We get this letter from this guy named Joe, and uh, he wants to, he, there's a bunch of prisoners that want to study the Bible. They, they know you can't do online classes because they're not allowed to use, like, technology, but is there, you know, they, they said, is there any way that you could do, like, old school correspondence with us? And, uh, and so, like, we got all these prisoners, like, enrolled in, in Bible classes now. And, uh, and Joe... So just recently, Joe, like, finished his first class, and he wanted me to know how he did. So, like, he, he had the chaplain. He got, like, a letter from Kingswood, like, a transcript of how he did. And, they, you know, the prison looked at it, and they blacked out certain things and everything. But the, the chaplain sent it to me, and, like, Joe got an A. He wanted me to know he got an A in his first Bible class, right? And, uh, and I was... I, I, uh, at the beginning of the, the school year, I was like, I, I was like, how's Joe doing? Is he enrolled in any more classes? And they were like, oh, yeah, he's actually got a bunch more prisoners, like, enrolled now. Like, we got this whole group of prisoners that are, and I thought, like, if, if that environment that Joe, if God, if God can work in Joe's life in that environment that he's in, like, he can work in our lives, right? Like, he can meet our needs. He can do whatever needs to be done. Whatever we need, God can give us what we need in order to serve him. If he, can, if he can do it for a guy like Joe, he can do it, he can do it for any of us. And uh, as we, as we kind of close, we're gonna, uh, Pastor Andy's gonna come back in a minute, but, but I just wanna encourage you. I hope more than anything today you're encouraged in your faith. And I wanna encourage you, if there's something you're facing in your life, whether it's like physical illness, uh, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's uh, something to do with addiction or something to do with, like, whatever is going on in your life that you're, you're like, man, I just need a touch from Jesus. Like, I need Jesus to do something. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we get discouraged, but, but like, the Holy Spirit is here today. There is faith in the room. This is a good time. We've got, we've got awesome prayer teams that, that can pray into that for you. And, uh, and what I've been praying for today, I was like, God, would you shock us today? Like, would you, would you just, like, surprise us by doing some things that we haven't seen you do or that we don't expect you to do? And so I would just encourage you uh, that if you have something like that that you really need prayer for today, don't just carry it back out the door. Like, bring it up. Bring it up to, to the people on the team 
and let them, let them pray into that. And I, I really think God is going to do some really cool stuff. Jesus is going to do some cool stuff in our midst this morning.